Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but in the middle of the Guilty Feminist tour around Australia and New Zealand, I got so tired, I watched Don Draper's Guide to Kissing on YouTube... (laughs) which is a montage of Don Draper kissing people <laughs> in the airport lounge without headphones. <laughs> Just didn't I really recommend it. I mean, probably should put headphones in. I just didn't have any. That what did it my... sound like for everyone else? Just... <laughs> oh, there's a little bit of music over it. It's not just Were all you like, sounds. Um, if anyone asks, I'm just going to say it's a thing about octopuses. <laughs> peeling themselves off I a wall. I would very happily said to anybody, I'm watching John Draper kiss people. Oh, fine. Mm. And I'm imagining I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, stop talking yeah. about this. I'm a feminist, but I don't know how to spell shepherd. <laughs> you do one. Shepherd? How is that not feminist? Well, I think that in it, if you claim to be a woman who you want taken seriously for her intellect amongst... <laughs> various other things you should know that I've been educated to degree level it was during some temp work shortly after graduating with a 2-1 law degree from LSE (laughs) that the woman employing me said you've spelt shepherd wrong and I said, oh, God, I'm so sorry. That's really embarrassing. Did you spell it with And then name? I had, amongst her other notes, I did a redraft of the thing for her. It was a mm. paralegal temp job. Mm. And I gave it back and she said, yeah, thanks for making those changes. And you still spent... She said, She's incredulous. I, remember, I just remember this woman... <laughs> I remember this incredible, powerful woman standing in front of me for a second time. And this time I said, 
do you not know how to spell shepherd? What? Was this a legal case suing a shepherd? It was a surname. Oh, no, that... No, that makes more sense. I was just um, suddenly imagining this big litigious case that the classic the sheep smuggling uh, run affair of tw- 2005. I'm a feminist, but when I saw Justin Trudeau in his Clark Kent Superman Halloween costume, I imagined myself dangling off a building for a full ten minutes, and it was only later that I realised I could have been Lois Lane. Because she's very powerful, isn't she? She's very feisty. She stands up to him. That's not who I imagined yeah. I was. I imagined I was being saved. Yeah. Like a helpless building dangler. It would have been... <laughs> Why wasn't I sassy Lois Lane, like, sassing him and being all yeah. like, whatever, Clark Kent. It would have been more anything. feminist just to see the picture and knock one out. <laughs> you two, hun. You laugh, but I'm fired. Um, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I've got an item of makeup I feel emotionally positive about. I feel emotionally positive about all my makeup. Do you? Mm. And I feel very, that's a very oh, I think feminist this is act. one of the ways in which I'm getting my feminism wrong. <laughs> um, what is that article of makeup? It's blusher that looks like nail varnish. I basically, I am. Um, Are you sure care. it's not nail varnish? I don't care about. I don't. But you just so put it on your to put it in context. I don't care. I don't care about uh, makeup. But if you just say to me, "Oh, you lost your makeup bag," happens about once every two to three weeks because it's it's a plastic bag uh, with some makeup in it. I I think that's very feminine. I feel like that's feminist to me. Like I I use it. I understand why. I understand that. I feel bit more confident in certain scenarios with it on. I couldn't, you know, in terms of how many fucks I give, n- none. And Zero. I feel that nicely Zero. happy and feminist about that. But I love this bit, this one item. Mm. So it's a small vial. It looks just like nail varnish. And it, I don't think it's even very good. It makes my... Um, it, it's not what it does to my face. I think it just makes my cheeks look sweaty. <laughs> but, but it's just... I think if I was dressed as a... Yeah, of it no, 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 no. It. It's, what it, it's that it looks like nail varnish. I think ultimately, if I was dressed as a fairy and, you, and I had it on, you'd go, oh, they look glittery cheeks. But it, was, when I'm just it's dressed... It's like festival makeup. Not on most days when I'm dressed as a mortal. Um, <laughs> I, I think it just makes me look like I've got sweaty cheeks. Is that the fashion? You I, would know. It's maybe real good. Oh, I want to look like a fresh out of a sweaty engagement. Yes, I put it on so I could talk about it. I can't see anything, honestly, Jess. I don't, I feel terrible. I want to say your cheeks look sweaty and I can't see it. I just don't know. Pointless then. But what I like about it, (laughs) what I like about it is you get it out in public and stick it on your face and everyone's like, oh, don't (laughs) put nail varnish on your face. Someone over there's putting nail varnish on their face. (laughs) And that's fun. That's a lot of fun. So it's a trick. Yeah, and that's bonded me to it. No, I do see that. I do see that. Yeah. I'm a feminist, but I invented a game that's for long car trips that I really should not teach you, but I'm going to teach you because it's really fun. (laughs) So I set up a scenario. So Jess 
You're single. You've been single for a couple of years. I said, you know what, Jess, why don't we go to Paris for the weekend? And we're just going to have a really lovely girls' time in Paris. And we check into this fantastic hotel. And we have a couple of glasses of champagne. And we say, let's go out into the night. So we go out to a jazz club. And they say there's a cover. But they say, no, 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 not for you. You're beautiful... Mademoiselle, uh, you and your friend, you know, of course you come in for free and we have a beautiful table for you, VIP. And mm. they take you over to this VIP table and there Do we they are. Do they say, if you don't like jazz, don't worry, we'll let just you talk over it. Yes. <laughs> Yes, they do. Perfect. But it's a really kind of cool, hip oh, cool. jazz. Oh, um, it's why? like Silencio, Silencio, the, oh, the cool. David Lynch club. Mm. We're having an amazing conversation. And then we look over into the corner and both John Stewart and John Oliver are sitting in the corner of this club. And they're having this great conversation and they're clearly both, and I mean, it was all been in the press, how both of them are single. And um, <laughs> they're just clearly out for the same sort of time. And uh, we're like, laughing going oh my god it's John Stewart and John Oliver and then they look over and they're laughing and they're going oh my god it's the two from the guilty feminist and uh <laughs> looking looking and then they send a note over to our table and they say would you like to join us for champagne and now you have to say which one you want at the count of three we have to say it exactly the same at the count of three at the count of three you have to say it exactly the same time the name of the man that you want, okay? One, two, three. John, John Stewart. Stewart. Oh. <laughs> so now we're going to argue over... <laughs> it's a compatibility game to see if you I would... feel totally like... I feel like I've been allowed to play the Crystal Maze. Yeah. Or like... It's I've, a great I've game. had the helmet on in Nightmare. I feel it's... like my life's just changed through... A, like, it's I've a never game. done hypnotism as therapy. Yeah. But I feel like I have now. I, I'm going to buy you a badge for longest uh, feminist part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a feminist, but even though it will make me misprioritize and have very low moments and patches of obsession, I've bought some new bathroom scales. In Cheerio News, the packaging was a square, shallow cardboard box, which immediately inspired me to get a takeaway pizza. Hey. Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents the Guilty Feminist with Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Foster-Cue, and very special guest Rosie Wilby, talking about monogamy. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. You've so, learned that now, haven't you? Yeah, I've known it for a long time, to be honest. I mean, I just, I do look down because I sort of, it's there. It's I think you should like get a, it as a tattoo. <laughs> that would be a very painful tattoo. Right, get it in Klingon or something. All of your ideas are bad. And that's, <laughs> I'm just... Uh, no, Where you would don't I get that? Is it a, a lower back one? Is it that? I don't know. I, I am the last person left without a tattoo. Well, I'm the second oh, last. Is it just us? Case. Yeah, it's just us. Oh. Just give us a cheer if you've got a tattoo. Give us a cheer if you do not have a tattoo. No, more people don't have tattoos. That's, oh that's science. That's, that's science. That's statistics, that is. <laughs> Listen, that's a good sample. I reckon we're a good sample. I reckon we might have more tattoos than the average audience. Because mm. we're an audience of rebels. The thing is, I don't think you need to be that rebellious to have a tattoo now. It's a bit like smoking. There'll always be an element of cool and rebellion to yeah, it. Yeah, but the thing is, smoking's delicious. <laughs> like, I gave up smoking in 2013, and if it gives you an idea of how much I miss it... I gave up smoking on the 18th of April, 2013. Wow. <laughs> at 23.23. 23. 
Do you still miss it? 100 hours. Yeah, I mean, to the point where I ponce a tab wherever I possibly can. You ponce a tab? What does Sometimes, that mean? It means I borrow. Oh, do you? But that's not giving up smoking of tobacco. It is. It's not that often that I do that. You said whenever you can. And that's, <laughs> that would well, be dating. I can't that often, which is a damning indictment of my social life. Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, that's because you can't... I am very anymore. choosy. You've There's got a, a baby particular now. brand of Roly that I love. And it has to be that, and it has to be very fresh tobacco. Basically, I, um, it's very rare that I'm in a situation where someone's got one of those. I For enjoy- me. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy menthol. Mm, no, thank you. We will never fight over either... No, tattoos or tabs. Please welcome to stage, Jessica Oscar! <laughs> The new thing in town, guys, is polyamory. <laughs> I got that far into my set last night and someone from the audience shouted, Show off! <laughs> Which yeah, I think speaks volumes about the confines for some of monogamy. Um, my partner and I are monogamous. I think that makes it sound like we've only got one leg <laughs> that we have to share. No wonder people feel limited, fucking hopping all the time to all the same things. Monogamy is hard. Not as hard as sharing one leg uh, with someone, but it is hard. I think you have to make a huge effort and keep taking on new challenges together, I think. My boyfriend is my rock. Some days, I like to throw him in the sea. Um, (laughs) I've been with my partner for ages, and I think that's all relative, isn't it? What does that mean, ages? One man's ten years is another woman's three weeks. Um, It's... uh, (laughs) It depends how you feel. I think, as a rule, your relationship is long-term if you do any of the following. Uh, Talk about food together at least once a day. (laughs) You're exempt from that if either of you is a chef. (laughs) The sound of their sleeping and or eating disgusts you. Or, finally, if they're the first person you tell gleefully when you shit yourself. (laughs) But as a rule, (laughs) relationships start in a way and end in another or go on to become another. I have a story with an ex which I think perfectly summarises what changes over time in a relationship, I think. When him and I got together, it was so romantic. We had been going out of our way to end up in the same places I think spending a lot of time together hanging out a lot together I knew I was pretty keenly into him I wasn't sure how fast he was and we were out drinking one night having a wicked time one of those nights where you're very sort of intimate in conversation totally enwrapped in it lots of laughter and at one point and this is back when I smoked this is a long time ago Oh, merry days. Um, <laughs> no, I, I said I'm going to pop outside for a cigarette and he said I'm going to come with you. Um, that's not my... That's what a man sounds like. Well, he says... He t- I mean, if any of you sort of are my friend, you'll know exactly who I mean. That's how he talks. He said, um, I'll come with you. I could do with a kiss. I know. And he did come outside with me. I didn't have a cigarette because instead this is our first kiss. And that went on to be a very wonderful relationship, briefly. Um, LAUGHTER and I think, this, uh, I think this sums up everything. Merely a year into that relationship, I was telling that story with 
close friends about our lovely romantic beginning of us getting together. And he just without a second's thought went, no, that's not what I said. I said, I'll come with you. I could do with a piss. <laughs> and I'm sure he did, but you hear what you want to hear. <laughs> when you're falling in love, I think. I feel totally happy and at ease with a world where people have open relationships. And I think, honestly, it does best suit loads of people. But I do believe that my nurture has moulded me into someone too fragile for polyamory for now. And I think security is the upside and downside of monogamy because it comes with a sense of territory and dependency. I have never been that sort of worried um, or felt insecure with my partner. But in the days after having my kid... It's a sort of very strange chemical, hormonal kind of... It's like being on another planet for a few days, a few weeks. And I had a recurring nightmare that we split up and that I was left with this baby. And it was because for the first and only time, I was genuinely... I needed him, brutally dependent on him. And for me, that was a horrible feeling. <laughs> horrible. Um, you'll be pleased to know it passed. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> He's equally as mental. Once he honestly got jealous of a cat. <laughs> I was cuddling the cat, like stroking it, and I went, oh, lovely boy, to the cat. <laughs> He's a grown man. Went, and this is the other thing, I think, when the longer you're in relationships, you realise that sometimes perception is an odd thing. We're, it's like we're on different planets. I was cuddling the cat, and I went, oh, lovely boy. And he honestly went, oh, oh I thought you only called me that. Lovely boy. <laughs> I think that's insane. Um, and he thinks that's reasonable. Um, to be fair to him, it was a fucking fit cat. <laughs> I said that I think we give ourselves new challenges and that's how we're, we're really happy together still at the moment. But also, we have some good conversations. I said to him a while ago... If we do end up together until, like, we, you know, we're dead and this is it, this is our last relationship, is there nothing that you'd miss? Like, if you were to have... You know, you never get to do anything with anyone else again. And he went, no. And I was like, is there nothing, though, if, like, you know... <laughs> yeah, imagine that. You're not going to get to do anything with anyone else. Surely there's something like that. And he was like, I haven't really thought about it. And I was like, come on! <laughs> Tell me! Come on, there's got to be something! Come on, hurt me! <laughs> As you do. <laughs> Anything all right? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Uh, I suppose tits. I suppose the idea of quite like the idea of having to some boobies in front of me. I suppose other boobies. I suppose. And I was like, well, I'm sure that eventually, if we are together for life in our lifetimes, the technology will be available for me to have a sort of selection of tits, like a virtual revolving tit shelf. I'm not opposed to that, actually. I do that happily. I have different knockers for different days. Quite, I think that'd be fun for me too. And it, he, it's just how much of a dweeb he is. He said, well, actually, probably is, um, technology's probably available now if you wanted to, in terms of like how they're doing like, um, things like cloning and stuff like that. If you wanted, you could grow like, a new pair of tits on your back. 
And um, I have agreed, when it's easy and cheap and available, to have 18 pairs of tits on my back. <laughs> like a sort of sexy human porcupine. <laughs> or, if you will, a norcupine. And he said, and um, if you want, um, I'll grow like loads of other dicks on my back. And I went, um, I am. My friend, a brilliant comedian called Elf Lyons, has written very eloquently about her polyamorous life in a way that's super clear, inspiring, and so positive. But in my current situation, despite all the tales of snogs and wonder and open-hearted bliss, the sentence I picked out in an article that she, where she wrote about this is the bit where she says she developed the CEO-worthy skills in multitasking. I've got a toddler and a really complicated job that never stops. Seriously? <laughs> I'm already fucking spent. Um, I think that's my angle. Later on, she explains in a funny way how it's not seedy or swinging, but there's this line that headbutts me in it. She says it's like having a normal relationship set with more time management. Are you having a laugh? (laughs) (laughs) This is what it would be like in my house at the moment. Darling, um, what's happening again later? I told you already, I told you. I've got our interview at four and it might not be finished till six. So then I'm, so hang on, is he in nursery? Um, oh, well, he's actually he's only in there from nine till 12 while I write that stuff about trampolines and then that other stuff about all of perception. And then I've got to Skype my therapist and then if he naps and I'll write that treatment and then actually I'll just ask him about tonight. Yeah, all right, well, this is as much for me as it is for you. Okay, um, so do I need to leave work at five? And then uh, Sarah's coming over to sit, is she? Yeah, yeah, Sarah's coming over. Is that Sarah from the, app no that's sarah from tittle tots is that sarah p or sarah f it's a blonde one not a black one okay got it right okay so um when do i need to be home i said you need to be up by seven do you remember um and i don't know when i'll be home but before midnight is that okay yeah of course that's cool have a lovely day please uh no you have a lovely day please more like oh before i forget um if i do get a spare 10 minutes in the middle of all that do you mind if i get sally round and get off with her Oh, yeah, tuck in. (laughs) My point is, as I understand it, I think for polyamory to work, you need all the cards on the table from the off. And my table is already piled up to the brim with notes, computers, diaries, wet wipes, kitchen roll, bibs, jigsaws, receipts, three copies of going on a bear hunt, it's birthday season, um, and massive, empty bottle of gin. Um, There isn't any room for any sexy cards. Uh, Anyway, this article is great by the way it's in the guardian please look it up it's on their website it's called in praise of polyamory and as much as i am being silly about it it's very eye-opening and because it's made her way more confident and she's found her people it sounds like and it's been truly empowering and awakening and i don't know if they've made the ads relevant in the article but for a piece about having multiple partners when i last read it today the video ad on there was for i believe gel which is for the treatment of pulled muscles from overexertion um (laughs) So, (laughs) to last night's heckler who shouted show-offs, I say, actually, yeah, fair point. (laughs) Please, welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis Wise! Monogamy's an odd concept, isn't it, really? It's a really odd thing, because obviously we'd all like to have sex with multiple partners. Monogamy 
is the price we pay because we cannot bear the idea of our partner having a good time without us. We are enraged. We would rather never have a good time ourselves because we are so enraged with the idea of them having fun and us not being in the room. That is basically the deal. Isn't that odd? Rather than just saying, well, I'll have a good time and you also have a good time. And then we'll meet back and we'll have a good time together. You know when sometimes your partner, you'll go, oh, what did you do today? And you go, oh, I wandered down the South Bank and, um, yeah, after I got off early and, um, oh, and I bumped into Joe. And, uh, yeah, you bumped into Joe? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, what did, what did you do? Oh, we went to Oaxaca. I love Oaxaca. <laughs> you know I love Oaxaca. You went to Oaxaca without me. Yeah, well, you weren't there. Yes, exactly. I wasn't there. You should go to Oaxaca without me. What? So I have to go to a bad place. Like, uh, you don't get Oaxaca if I don't have Oaxaca. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, but I just don't think you should go to Oaxaca without me. That's our thing. That's our thing. You go to Oaxaca. What did you have? Oh, I had the, um, like, the sweet potato burritos. The sweet potato burritos. You know they're my favourite. You know I love the sweet potato burritos. You know I always have them. Yeah, but I always have them too. Yes, you, well, I, you know I love them. I can't believe you had sweet potato burritos at Oaxaca without me. What did you do then? Well, we went back to Joe's place and um, we watched Game of Thrones. You watched Game of Thrones without me. What, the new episode? Yeah, I watched the new episode. Again. You watched the new episode of Game of Thrones without me. Well, that's, that's it. It's over. <laughs> Uh, I can't believe you would watch the new episode of Game of Thrones without me. That is our thing. We do together. You've just watched it. Well, I'll watch it again with you. That's not the same. <laughs> no, well, I, I, well, we can watch it now. No, you've watched it without me. There's no point. I don't want to be watching it while you've already watched it with somebody else. I'll just watch it on my own now. There is absolutely no point in watching something with somebody who's already watched it with somebody else. I cannot believe that you have betrayed our relationship by watching Game of Thrones with Joe. What did you do then? And we had full sex. I love full sex. You know I love full sex. Well, we'll do it again now. No, it's ruined. You mean we weren't there? You weren't there? Oh, no, I wasn't there. That's our point. But no, we, we do again. We can do full sex. We can do all of the sex. We can do the, the oral and the other one. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've done it with someone else now. It's ruined. And in only one of those situations, is it okay to go round to your friend's home and cry and you will be comforted for your loss, and that's Game of Thrones. <laughs> Obviously, we all understand that is the modern true infidelity. Honestly, I mean, I honestly think if Tom was away on tour, I mean, there's one night you meet somebody, like, why am I stopping him having a true bit of excitement and pleasure that I can never give him now? Because he's just seen it too many times. Like, there's an excitement about something new. If he's off on tour somewhere else and there's just this one moment to have this sort of recapturing of excitement in you, why am I going to kill that for him? But if I got back from a trip and he was halfway through season two of The Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> Do you see what I mean, though? That's now we can't share that experience together. But I wasn't there in the hotel room in Vegas. I did once say to Tom, he had a special birthday coming up. And I said, well, we can either rent a house in France. We'll get some friends over. You know, we'll play poker, all the things you like, cook. Or we could go to Vegas and have a threesome. 
And he went, France sounds nice. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, that did happen. I was sort of trying to offer him. I was trying to be like really, you know, like really cool and sexy and, you know, like super chill. And uh, (laughs) he was like, it's a trap, it's a trap. I was like, it's not a trap, it's not a trap. But I do think a lot of my gay male friends, some of my gay male friends, to be fair, are saddled with the same horrendous monogamy nightmares as the rest of us. But some of my gay male friends have what I like to call monogamy, um, which is an incredible sort of hybrid. It's like emotional monogamy, but they get to have sexual promiscuity within guidelines. And that's absolutely brilliant. I think that sounds like the absolute best of all worlds. Why wouldn't we have that if we could have that? But the gay men who are living this lifestyle. It's like they are living the apotheosis of all humanity. They're just having the best time in the world. And I do understand small liberal pockets in very metropolitan cities, but I really feel it. Like when I go over there to their houses and they've got like this most immaculate white sofa and then they'll say, oh yeah, I'm going to see my baby on the weekend. And you go, what ba- What do you mean, what baby? And they'll go, oh yeah, lesbians had my baby. I would love lesbians to have my baby. <laughs> lesbians to have my baby and I just visit it once every two weeks that sounds incredible yes please to lesbians having my baby why isn't this more of a thing I don't understand it feels like after thousands of years of oppression it's like a reward it's like God who has been in the past a horrendous homophobe if you read holy texts it's like God has come out really recently and gone sorry guys I know I know it was internal self-loathing have it all have it all have it all I mean, just think it through, guys. God has lived on his own for many years. He's never had a partner, right? Lived on his own. I say lived on his own. He's lived with two guys called Gabriel and Michael. (laughs) Who he calls Angel. I'm just saying. He has one child, IVF. His house is named after a famous gay nightclub. And it has pearly gates. You show me a straight man who says, check out my pearly gates. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. And it feels like, I want to say to God, God, like what is happening here? Everything's great for the guys in these sort of, you know, amazing cities. And God's going, yeah, Mardi Gras. And you're going, but what about the people in other places? And he's like, those places sound boring. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about those places. Let's go to Sydney. Let's go to Mardi Gras. I don't know why he talks like this. He's come out recently and he's camped it all out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Today's guest is an award-winning comedian who has appeared on BBC Radio 4 and at festivals including Glastonbury and Latitude. Her first book, Is Monogamy Dead?, has just been shortlisted for the Diva Literary Awards. Please welcome Rosie Wilby! Hello. So, Rosie... Hello. Hello. Feminism, monogamy, polyamory. Tell us what you know. Well, the thing is, back in 2013, I needed to think about what I was doing for my Edinburgh show, as we do. (laughs) I've not got nothing to talk about. And I already had a lovely show in the bag, actually, about feminism, but I thought, (laughs) I was going to go and see a show about feminism. (laughs) That that was the year that Bridget Christie won the main prize. So, yes, I, um, I decided to follow up a show that I'd done a few years before called The Science of Sex, which was looking at some of the neuroscience behind attraction and data and I had started to ponder this question of monogamy and fidelity because some of my friends were having affairs and then of course if you're like friends with two different people in a relationship and you get caught up in this kind of oh should I let the partner know that I think this is going on and um, so I started to think about this and I posed a survey online asking what counts as cheating And the results, I mean, we've been talking about sex mostly here tonight. And what was really interesting was how for some people, rather than it being a sexual spectrum Mm. of monogamy and like kissing or sleeping with somebody else, although some people, when they did um, tick having sex with someone else, they did specify a location, like in a car. Um, (laughs) What, that, that constitutes so it only was cheating. It was only cheating if it was sex in a car. In a car. I'm not quite sure. Um, but, <laughs> but for some people, um, there was a much more emotional spectrum, like falling yeah. in love with somebody else without any sexual contact. And I particularly wanted to start looking at relationships that women have with other women. I'm mm. a gay woman, and I've always talked very openly about being gay. I sort of looked at the conflicts of that. It's kind of it's weird, kind of being gay and also being. A feminist, because of course, on the one hand, you kind of want to be lovely and respectful to all other women, but yeah. then on the other hand, there's that animal part of you that you know wants to kind of fancy and objectify yeah. your partner and so on. You're quite right about the gay men having all these kind of freedoms and open relationships are really common in that community. Oh, and God damn, I forgot my favourite joke in that. God is clearly not a lesbian because lesbians are now being used as free-range organic baby farms for gay men. <laughs> it's true. Uh. Um, and the, Yeah, so I wanted to see if there was any kind of sexual adventure or misadventure for lesbians in mm. an equivalent sense. So I, uh, for research purposes, <laughs> went along to the lesbian sauna I thought this is just going to be like because the gay men all just like having crazy wild sex in the sauna and you know what's going to happen and all these straight men who like you know I told I was going to the lesbian sauna I thought oh oh, that's going to be amazing and actually and actually it's just like women sort of politely chatting and it's all very very respectful and uh, oh I'm not sure we do anything Um, and there was even one woman who sort of she made a, a slight attempt at being a bit sort of slatty and sort of pulled down her bikini top to rest under her breasts and then sort of felt self-conscious about it started folding towels and tidying oh. <laughs> so it wasn't even a naked sauna 
Well, we was no, we were just sort of in little swimming costumes. That might have been part of the flirting, mightn't it? It'd be like looking at them right out in a well-supported way. And now, watch these chores be performed. Ah, yes, maybe it was. Maybe I missed that. I went over my head. There might have been some like leaning over to once the towels folded, just lean over and put that down. Yeah, look at look at. I could be doing laundry at your house every day. I don't write. There's a reason I don't write. So I was particularly I was particularly interested in looking at female relationships in a broader sense and the emotional connections and friendships we have as well and how important they are. A friend of mine actually uses the term love affair friendships, which yeah. I thought was really interesting and in how we sometimes create different language, particularly for the complex relationships that I think women have with one another. But I really wanted to put women's relationships kind of up front because so many books I was reading about the psychology of relationships really had this very heteronormative yeah. kind of perspective and like totally. a disclaimer that says, oh, same-sex relationships will just work the same. And <laughs> so, so I just wanted to look at how women sort of interacted and engaged with one another. But what's really interesting is I, I actually think from a feminist perspective, I think sort of kind of getting rid of these ideas of ownership and so on, I quite like all of that in theory, but I sort of tried loosely being polyamorous but I was just really terrible at it and I do get jealous and struggle with all those kind of things and so I am actually in a monogamous relationship but what's really interesting is because I've got this book called Is Monogamy Dead? Some people assume that I'm telling everyone not to be monogamous whereas I'm just actually interrogating the concept and say be honest and respectful and all of that. You've done a TED talk about it haven't you? That people can watch and it's really good. But... I got a protest letter from a man, um, oh, which I thought I would share God. with you. Oh, please! Um, which I think you're, you like. I think you, you like a letter from a man. Letter from a man. It was delivered to a bookshop, my local bookshop, Hernhill Books, where I was doing a little launch, and he's addressed it to Rosie Wilby. Is monogamy dead? Like that's now my address. Um, <laughs> where do you live? Do you know is monogamy dead? Twenty-seven <laughs> B is monogamy dead. Is monogamy dead? <laughs> And he'd posted it through the letterbox of the bookshop where I was going to be appearing later that evening. And he must have done it before they'd opened because no one had seen him and it had just come through the letterbox. And uh, he said, um, Dear Rosie Wilby, is monogamy dead? <laughs> Full name. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> it's not just the end of your name. That's and That's, your address. That is my address. And it's, it's interesting how some people are really protective of the mm. idea of monogamy. He says, is monogamy dead? Something tells me that your answer is all too predictable. So I might save my pennies, but what next? Are trees obsolete? (laughs) Yes, that's the next obvious. That's the next obvious question. Who needs feet? (laughs) (laughs) Clothes, have they had their day? No, but seriously, have you taken into account, have you, he's put in brackets, the fact that monogamous marriage is the most lasting and effective form of cohabitation yet discovered? I was monogamously married for 40 years. Our four adult children have all been monogamously married for an average of 20 years and counting. Our 12 grandchildren, not geniuses, but delightfully (laughs) well-adjusted. Oh, Oh, God. What a supportive grandfather. I bet he says that at Christmas. As far as I'm aware, grandparents all think grandchildren. Yeah, even your grandfather doesn't think you're a genius. Your grandparents you're have fucked. to. Sorry, continue. They're, they're fun to be with and great to relate to. So are the great majority of our friends who would be surprised to be told that they were dead. Where have you been, Rosie Wilby? <laughs> and what are you missing or trying to prove? But then he signs off, enjoy your visit to Hearn Hill. 
That's wow. extraordinary. But he's, he admits he hasn't read it. He does admit he hasn't read it. He's, he's just, just assumed... He's angry about the title. That's just... He's made... It, and what's so interesting is monogamy... So it's basically essentially gone, that's a provocative title. I've been provoked. Yes. <laughs> and I'd like to prove it. That's extraordinary. <laughs> well, it's nice to get letters like that because oh. you can yeah. read them out and make fun Next of them. Next time you write a book, can you give it a title that doesn't make me stop and think at all? <laughs> See, yes. there's not enough books in the yeah. world and I... But it's Maybe amazing Maybe you could write how... a book that says monogamy is excellent the way it is and yeah. there's no need to talk about it, think about it, or analyse. Maximum or status quo. Anyway, just yeah. Everything you already on. knew. Th Chris. Things were good when Chris was young. That's what it yeah. should be called. Things were right and proper when Chris was young, and there's no need to change any of them or look at how any of them secretly weren't working, but we pretended they were. Shame his grandchildren are morons. <laughs> In the future, they'll be listening. Uh, but so, so, I it's funny how it's so laden with assumptions, though, the whole yeah. idea of monogamy. He's assumed what mm -hmm. I think about monogamy. And yeah. The point is, we all make assumptions. I mean, I asked in my survey, you know, have you ever even discussed boundaries and monogamy with your partner? And 50% of people hadn't even never discussed what it actually meant. Really? Yeah, which well, I thought was interesting. It is interesting. There was a time, not very long ago, when if... You were seen with a man... Well, the mill on the floss. There's a storyline. I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it's been out <laughs> on the market for quite some time. Um, somebody is seen with a man, not her husband, and her reputation is ruined, and that's it. But they didn't do anything. No, they just, just not chaperoned. Other, yeah. There was a time when if you touched somebody, that was a proposition of marriage. So there are all yeah. sorts of things that we do now. Hugging people... Mm kissing people on the cheek, snogging someone at a Christmas party. <laughs> yeah, quick, exactly. That's just quick you. Comes. Quick shag in a mini minor. Yeah. All of those yes, things that yeah. are now sort Only of... Only in a mini minor. Yeah. That in a car, I said it. Do you know what I mean, though? I sort of think when people say, oh, no, I'm monogamous. You, there was a great thing in your TED Talk where you said the original definition of monogamy and what it means now. Oh, yes, because it, well, it originally meant one marriage for life, which comes from the Greek monos gamos. But, of course, now we've adapted it to mean Not one, one marriage at a time. But, yeah, just the fact that we've changed it. Now we think as long as you're with one person at a time, everything's mm. fine. Whereas it used mm. to be not very long ago that it was sort of disgraceful to leave To, to get divorced and so on, yeah, yes. Yeah, or absolutely. to just have a partner yeah. and then go, this has been great for a while. And I think as we see like it's part of the same change towards more liberal attitudes towards sexual preference and gender fluidity? Do you feel like it's part of the same, that well, possibly, cracking open of minds or just... An increased social empathy, a movement for that. But uh, what's really interesting, Jess, is that I've particularly looked at lesbian relationships mm. and gay male relationships as almost like control experiments without yeah. the opposite biological sex around to sort of influence behaviour. And what's weird is lesbians, who you might imagine would kind of ditch all the kind of patriarchal rules actually are the most monogamous group if yeah. you actually look at sort of sexual activity outside of a relationship but actually by far the most serially monogamous group because right. we tend to rotate partners like it's sort of a revolving door and you know all the jokes about a lesbian sort of having a removals van on a second date there's some truth in that there's always truth in a stereotype so what's really interesting is lesbians actually were craving this Variety and incorporating yeah. it in a very, very rapid sense of serial monogamy. One woman in her 50s had had about a dozen serious relationships. Right. And that means you've got a lot of exes. And yeah. lesbians are also actually, I call them the godmothers of conscious uncoupling long before right. Gwyneth and all that. Because we've always stayed friends with exes because it was a small community in the old days and there was no one else to be friends with. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so, you, so you basically had to keep in with your exes. So you had to kind of keep in, your, in with I your exes. I love that bit of your TED talk about that as a possibility of. A but it, yeah, also it meant you grew. There, there was some kind of evolutionary benefit to that because you yeah. grew this community and, and a sense of an alternative type of family, which was really important to gay people because perhaps your conventional family might not exist for you in the same kind of a way. So I think it's really interesting to look at the way um, we've kind of reclaimed families, but it's, it's kind of this paradoxical situation where now gay people are kind of maybe adopting marriage and, and so on and, and maybe moving more to the sort of normative. I think this thing with female friendship as well is I am as fascinated as you are, Rosie. Yeah. I think that the, an increasing number of people are talking about being something more complicated than straight or gay. And, and something more and, complicated and than knowing, friends. And, yes, or, well, that's what I mean. And I think sometimes part of the awakening of that, that you're on a spectrum rather than a definitively at one end or a, yep. another, is because part of... A friendship that becomes an incredibly close friendship. You get these moments of intimacy where it is like definitely really charged. It's all part of laying the foundations of something that becomes a friendship or something more, depending on your circumstances, etc. But God, stuff's so much more complicated than just friends. Yes, yeah. indeed. That, that so is often. True. Is polyamory more feminist because you're more in control of who you are? I think there's an argument that polyamory is a really feminist choice and certainly some of the polyamorous women that I've met have been some of the happiest in the situation. Some of the polyamorous men, they're the ones who most try to enforce all the rules. Like a really common rule that poly men enforce is a one penis policy. <laughs> it's brilliant where your female partner can sleep with other women but not other guys. Um, it's just a one I know. No, it's no, no. So, kind of glad that got a hiss. <laughs> So, yeah, I think there's certainly an argument for that. But I think some of the values of polyamory, whether we incorporate those into a new form of monogamy, as I have done, actually are a more compassionate choice because it's all about communication and respect. And I am monogamous, but I think I'm monogamous in a very different way from mm. how I used to be monogamous in a very threatened kind of way mm. where we'd have all those mm. jealous kind of arguments like, oh, if you ever so much as talk to somebody else, I'll mm. gouge your eyes out with a spoon and <laughs> I'll set up a SoundCloud page of just you snoring and, you know... <laughs> You know, you have all those threats. Have you ever did anything? Throw all your things in the garden. And it's ridiculous because all those threats mean that if your partner ever does anything at all, you have got to you know, act on that. And, <laughs> and it's soundcloud.com slash... Uh, no. <laughs> so I think it's just... I've felt that it has empowered me to think about our terminology, our language around relationships. The poly community invent all this amazing new language. Like, if you do feel you're too busy, Jess, with all your piles <laughs> of your table, if you've got, um, you reach your threshold of partners, you can yeah. say that you're polysaturated. <laughs> oh, boom. I well, I nice. think we do have to wrap we it do, up now, but do. I'm sorry. For, so, I feel like we could have gone on for ages, but it's just all the more excuse to uh, watch that TED Talk and read Rosie's um, book. Who's our charity? Hello. Um, I'm from Solace Women's Aid, and we support 11,000 survivors of domestic and sexual violence in London. So we'd love your support in any way. <laughs> Great. And where do we give online? 
Oh, at www.soliswomensaid.org. Soliswomensaid.org. Okay, and you're going to stand at the door. Now, listen, you've all paid for your ticket to the show. There's absolutely no obligation to oh. donate. But if you've got a fiver or a tenner or even a pound or 50p, Solace Women's Aid would really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you are listening at home, the podcast is free. If you could chip something in, that would be awesome. Do you have anything to plug? I'm going to be starting a new podcast called The Breakup Monologue, so look out for that coming soon. Elf Lyons is one of my first guests. Oh, yes, please. Hey. Oh, yes. Do you really plug GS? Um, my Twitter is at Um I've got a tour of my show, The Silence of the Nans, probably around February, March 2018. And in the new year, look out for a new podcast called Hoovering. It's not about food, it's about eating. Mmm. Yay. <laughs> Uh, and you can also follow us at Guilt Fem Pod or me at Deborah FW. And you can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, which helps other people find the show. You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co host Jessica Foster Q, and our very special guest, Rosie Wilby. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp, music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Selinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe Jacob Sally and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. You've died a death in two scenarios. I love it that we're just using his real Um, name. Sorry, but (laughs) he can't be in these games. I'm sorry. He's not not welcome. Um, Feminism has to have some space for women to be on their own. And by on their own, I mean with other men. And (laughs) I... It is about polyamory, this episode. You are on... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.